welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. I'm Son Edom alongside Dan Delzell, who is a pastor at Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska. He also writes a lot of articles that you might be able to find on the Christian Post. And also, if you go to you know Amazon, Kindle, there's a lot of uh, writings that he put into books and that you can read and, and get some insight into what he he thinks on on things and what he's been led to write on things. And Dan, uh, as always, we look forward to our conversations and appreciate you joining us. And, and you know, the last week, the last conversation we had, we were, we were using an article on the Christian Post that was talking about the finances of John MacArthur and how he was making a significant amount of money, according to the article. And, and so they were talking about it. And so we used that conversation and that article to talk about should pastors be making a lot of money? Where's the balance when it comes to, you know, the privacy of a pastor versus, you know, the, the pu- public persona of the pastor? And so we're just having a conversation about kind of the finances of the church, you know, and, and the profits from preaching and things like that. But as I was thinking about it, after the conversation, one of the things that was kind of sticking into my head was the idea of has, has the pastor, the preacher, today, the position, not necessarily any individual, but that position, has it become more of a CEO type position than someone who's like the shepherd and 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 sharing the gospel and sharing the message and preaching the gospel and, and kind of like the shepherd over the flock like Jesus talks about? You know, have we, have we kind of changed? And is there something wrong with the way a pastor is pastoring the church? Is there too much emphasis on the CEO part of it, of the business of church versus actual preaching? I remember one time I was at a pastor's conference. I'm not a pastor, but I was at a pastor's conference and I forget the guy, but he was up there and he was talking and he said, and it stuck with me, that pastors need to get out of the business of church and start preaching. And I thought that was kind of interesting that he would say that because it seemed kind of true that a lot of times people get so involved in the business of church that we lose out on the focus that the business of the church should be going out and preaching, you know, the great commission, going out and winning others for Christ. And so I thought that's maybe something we could talk about today as we get into the conversation, CEO or shepherd, what's the position of a pastor at a church? Oh, I think that's a fantastic topic, Son. And, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, you know, 31 years ago, when I graduated from the seminary, I mean, back then, I mean, there was uh, a lot of talk going on related to, um, you know, Bill Hybels and Willow, uh, Willow Creek Church and leadership, leadership, leadership. That was kind of the, you know, such a key word back then. And of course, it's been around, you know, long before that. And then in the past, you know, 31 years as well. But there, there's been a real push, it seems in the American church to emphasize that the pastor is to almost serve like this, this CEO role, as you say, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of stuff with that that really needs to be unpacked because, um, you know, Jesus, you know, he called disciples to follow him. He sent them out to, um, to preach the gospel and make disciples. Um, you know, pastors are called to, to preach and teach the word and, and to make disciples. And certainly leadership is, is a, a very important part of, uh, of a pastor's work. But, but that's a, a far cry from saying that, 
you know, the pastor should be kind of like this CEO of the church. I mean, there are some churches where I, I think that, that, that seems to work out okay, um, maybe, but, but, but by and large, I think most of us as, as pastors um, are, are going to be, you know, more effective if, if we use the gifts God's given us while utilizing, um, you know, the leadership gifts of others around us as well. Um, but, but not just seeing ourselves as this standalone, almost uh, CEO kind of a figure, because in the Bible, you know, son, what we find in, in the New Testament is that every New Testament church was led by a plurality of, of elders. And, and elder is just another word for pastor, uh, overseer, bishop. Um, you know, those words were shepherd. Those words were interchangeable in the New Testament. So, um, you know, Hebrews talks about, about those whose work is, is, uh, is preaching and teaching. You know, the elders whose work is preaching and teaching. Um, well, um, great. You know, so maybe you'd have, you know, some leaders in your church who, who, who don't preach and teach. But, but regardless, um, the idea that the pastor somehow is to be a CEO, it, it really, it, it smacks of Wall Street, but not really of scripture in the sense that, um, you know, most CEOs, um, you know, it's just really kind of a different, a different concept. Uh, but it goes even deeper than just what sort of task you're carrying out. Um, it, it goes to the difference between natural leadership and spiritual leadership, which I think we're going to be getting into today. And, and so I think that'll be an interesting discussion um, be, be, because there are some major differences between natural leadership and spiritual leadership. And, and, and while, you know, the role of a pastor certainly overlaps at times with, you know, maybe, you know, what, what a leader's role is in a, in maybe a secular organization or maybe a Christian organization, you know, it's not a church, but some other organization is there's going to be overlap. Um, and, and pastors certainly need to be skilled at, you know, a variety of, of leadership um, activities. But, but I think it is important that we understand the difference between spiritual leadership and natural leadership. And as you point out, um, you know, is a pastor, is, is, are pastors still shepherds today? Or, or has that changed? Now, you know, are pastors supposed to be CEOs and not, not so much uh, shepherds? The last thing I'll say there is, I, I know one of the things they were, you know, kind of pushing back then, you know, 30 years ago was, well, you know, pastors need to stop, you know, they, they need to get out of this mentality of, of just being like, um, uh, you know, a shepherd of, of just one flock. You need to start thinking of yourself as more of a rancher. You know, and so you've got a much larger flock, and you know, and, and so much of it was about, you know, growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, you know, God wants us to reach people, and and when churches grow bigger for the right reasons and and with the Spirit's blessing on it, great. Um, but uh, there, there was just been this. There, there seemed to be this push, you know, get bigger, go more CEO mentality. And I'll tell you, son, if a church and a pastor isn't careful. You can, you can, you know, the wheels can start to fall off on that model and, and it can start to, you know, look very much like the world and not so much like the church. Um, if we're not careful, you know, now, now, you know, of course there are, there are plenty of pastors who, who, who could learn a lot by probably taking some leadership courses and, and developing or, or honing skills in many different areas. So, there, I mean, pastors, you know, all of us are 
so far from, from perfect and need to learn a lot about all sorts of things, you know, mainly theology and doctrine, but certainly also leadership. Um, but, but it's a, it's a very big, big topic. And, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, having us dive into this. You know, one of the things that we look to pastors for, like you said, is leadership and, and a lot of times, depending on the person, not everybody, but depending on the person, especially, you know, you want to get into these flamboyant preachers on TV and maybe some other big time preachers, you know, it becomes, I don't want to say it's about them, but, you know, you and I met through a radio program. It was a Christian radio program and the, the radio program would get a lot of pastors on from all around and talk about different things. And I would write out a short bio on the guest and give it to the host. And then the host would read the bio leading into the conversation. And one of the things that when I would go to the church's website and to get the bio, one of the things I always read, which kind of irked me and maybe it was unintentional, but it was always this pastor brought this church from a few people to many thousands. And it was almost like, okay, first of all, I understand what you're trying to achieve, but the pastor did not do it. God did it through the pastor. And so there are many others as well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and and there's many other things that kind of point to the, the pastor as someone who is up on maybe a pedestal, Someone who mm-hmm. is, you know, and a lot of times it's just the, the persona, you know, I mean, people can look at John MacArthur and, you know, he's been, you know, I've heard people in conversations refer to him as like the godfather of preachers, you know, um, he's yeah. got this guy that's kind of a big persona and he has a lot of influence and he apparently, you know, is, uh, has his big ministry. But when you look to the Bible and it talks about in, in Mark 10 about whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. And the Bible talks about leader, the word leader, like I think only six times. And the role of servant seems to be more of the terminology that the Bible uses. And I was reading a book that you had kind of recommended at one time. It's Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. And as I was reading through this, I was starting to read some things that kind of I was thinking about already, but then also kind of made sense that's different from the world church today. When we look at the the people that Jesus called as leaders in the Bible, you have people that are uneducated, you have people that weren't already established clergy, you know, you had some fishermen, you had like a tax collector, you know, you just had kind of like these rough, raw people that he called, but they had potential in them. And these people, these disciples and the apostles, they didn't necessarily want, they weren't craving to be this leader, this this church leader, right. this person to go out right. there. They were just like, I'm fishing, and now some dude yeah. told me to follow him. I don't even know what he's talking about. Fishers of men, what what are you, what are you talking about? You know. And then yeah. all of a sudden, they they rose up and they became the leaders of the church. Um, and yeah. so it's almost like it seems that you know the calling from God yeah. has changed yeah. today. Because I hear people say, I'm going to go be a pastor. Well, why? Well, mm-hmm. because of X, Y, Z, and it has nothing to do with the spiritual aspect of it you know there's job security there's money you know i want to be able to talk in front of people you know whatever the reason is and it seems like we lose the idea that first off a leader is a servant so the pastor should be serving not being you know stuck in his big office with you know all his trophies and stuff and then two it's like you know we should be have that call from god and if god doesn't call us and if we don't have that that Holy Spirit just drilling down on us saying, you know what, I'm calling you to be a pastor, then maybe we should consider something else. No, I tell you, son, all of those are just excellent points. And I don't even hardly know where to begin because, you know, 
there's so much truth there in, in what you said. I mean, for one thing, um, you know, the calling to be a pastor is a calling. It needs to be an inner calling. I mean, many wise Christians over the, over the centuries have said, you know, you know, if, if you can do anything else other than, than preach the word of the pastor, you should probably do it. In other words, you know, unless you're like Paul in a sense where he said, yet when I preach the gospel, I am compelled to preach. Um, you know, so, so Paul, Paul said, you know, I, I can't boast because, um, it was God who called me. I mean, this is one feature of spiritual leadership and especially of a pastor, especially of someone who's going to be preaching and teaching the word. Um, if God calls you with this inner call, um, then that's a, that's a safe, uh, and, and, and then, um, necessary thing to follow. Uh, I mean, in, in my own life, I mean, you know, I, I went to college here in Nebraska, son, and was in the business program. And then I began, uh, well, I should say, you know, there were, there were a couple, you know, good friends of mine at college who started introducing me to a lot more uh, like the contemporary Christian music of, of that day. And for example, like, um, uh, you know, Keith Green and, and, and some others that, uh, just, there were quite a number of groups. So I, I started to really, you know, um, grow through that, through the Bible studies that, um, I'd been invited to. And then I started actually leading some Bible studies in the dorms, but I was in the business, I was in the business program planning to do that. Um, didn't know exactly how, but as a Christian, some area of business. And then between my junior and senior year of college, I was invited to work right here in Omaha, North Omaha, in the housing projects of Logan Fontenelle there, there was a, a church, a, a Lutheran church, Hope Lutheran church that was um, going to be having a vacation Bible school there with the inner city kids. And, uh, and so it was a, like a six week program. And so a buddy of mine and I from, uh, from college, we ended up actually staying with a, a pastor. He was a single pastor in South Omaha. Uh, he was the son of missionaries uh, in Africa, actually. But um, we stayed with him uh, for six weeks. We did ministry. And through that summer then, I really began to sense the Lord calling me to preach, which was a whole new thought, son. I'd never, you know, thought about that, never planned to do that. Um, uh, but I started to feel like, you know, being compelled to do that. At first, I thought, you know, kind of like Moses said, you know, who, me? Lord, I mean, I can't speak. I mean, I could do a Bible study in a dorm, but I can't see myself getting up in front of others and, and preaching. Um, but that inner call continued, and it wasn't too long there before, you know, I accepted it because I just knew this is what God wants me to do. I remember going into the office of the business uh, administrator, the head of the business uh, administration program. My, my twin brother and I, we were in the class that was going to be the first graduating class of that relatively new program there at that college. And I remember sitting down with Professor Obermuller and just kind of explaining to him, you know, and we had a great relationship with him and a neat friendship with him. And, and I just remember kind of how stunned he was when I told him, hey, I'm going to switch my major to, you know, theology here for my final year at college because um, I can still get my degree and, and I'm going to be going to the seminary and planning to anyway after, uh, you know, college, unless the Lord had, you know, directed it some other way. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to the seminary to be a pastor, but uh, many do. And, and it's a very good thing. Uh, it can be a good thing. Um, but anyway, um, I, uh, so I, so I did that and, but it was this inner call, um, and it's continued now for, you know, 31 years. And so, uh, but, but it had nothing to do with, you know, wanting to get us in front of others, uh, or anything like that. I, like I said, I didn't want to do that at first. Um, couldn't see myself doing it. So that's a huge deal when it comes to spiritual leadership, you know, has, has God called you to be a leader? 
uh, has God called you to be a preacher in, in my case, you know? Um, and uh, because in the world, fun, you know, natural leadership, um, you know, there are a lot of people with, with very selfish, let's say, ambition um, to be, uh, to be a, you know, they want to they climb the corporate ladder. That, that's kind of what the world promotes. I mean, so you, you push and you fight your way to climb the corporate ladder. And when we mentioned the CEO thing slipping into the church, oh, that's very dangerous because um, if, uh, let's say you have a young man who, you know, is, um, is, is going to be serving now as a pastor. If, if rather than having that servant mentality that you mentioned there, uh, there in Mark, you know, um, if he starts to become obsessive, well, you know, I, I have to, you know, climb my way up to either, you know, bigger churches or more prominent positions as a pastor, this or that. I mean, hey, we're all human. We're all susceptible to falling uh, prey to those desires. But, but we have to really watch our hearts and, and search our hearts because um, the Bible says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Um, I don't believe for a second that Paul, that Saul became Paul and then, you know, became the, the great apostle out of selfish ambition. It was obviously through the power of the Holy Spirit, the calling of God on his life, the will of God on his life. And, and so in Paul's case, I mean, no one in the Christian church has risen to a higher level of leadership other than, of course, our Lord, you know. Um, and, uh, but, but, you know, the thing I would say too, Son, is this. What we see with spiritual leadership in the Bible is that uh, uh, spiritual leadership and suffering go hand in hand. Um, you know, there, there's, there's no thought of that really with, you know, striving to be a CEO or maybe striving to be a megachurch pastor, you know, in America. Um, you, you know, in the Bible, you know, um, suffering goes hand in hand. In, in many places in the world, you know, spiritual leaders, they suffer greatly. Um, they're jailed. They're, they're, you know, they're martyred. I mean, so um, this idea that the world has of being a leader, being up in front, you know, being prominent, boy, um, it's very dangerous if a person attempts to fulfill their, their selfish ambitions um, by pursuing a spiritual leadership role. You can really make a mess of things. Um, and, I mean, we're all so infallible as it is. It's a miracle God is able to work through any one of us. Um, but if we start letting... Um, selfish ambition get in there where we're, where we're relying on talking to men more than talking to God. Um, you know, spiritual leaders, it's about the motivation first and foremost. It's about the calling. And then it's about the daily, um, just daily seeking to walk in that calling um, by God's grace. And it takes tremendous care and diligence. Um, you know, Paul told Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Now, here's the great apostle. And notice what he said first, Son, um, even before doctrine. And we know how critical, you know, true doctrine is. Without that, you know, people can't be saved. They can't grow in the Lord. They can't grow in the Word. But Paul put life there first. Watch your life and doctrine closely. So, so, so that the, the first calling uh, of, a, of a spiritual leader is to watch their life with God. You know, not, not to be impressive, not to be, you know, uh, seeing, you know, the statistics go up in, in any realm, be it, you know, your, your, your salary, the numbers. I mean, all the CEO stuff that people strive for uh, in the world is, in, in many ways, it has nothing to do with true spiritual leadership whatsoever. And, and so when Jesus called these, these fishermen and other simple people, um, he wasn't calling them to be these, you know, prominent, you know, CEO type people. He was calling them to die, basically, you know, come and be willing to die 
um, be willing to be thought of as just, you know, uh, nothing in the world. Um, but because we have so many um, liberties here, uh, or, or freedoms, I should say, you know, in America, um, you know, it's easy to, to, to seek that prominence and now realize that um, if, you're not, if, if you're not spiritually growing, um, if you're not, you know, protected spiritually, you're getting into a deal where your own selfish ambitions and, and many other things are going to um, work against, you know, these goals that you have to, to climb whatever ladder you're trying to climb. So any thought of climbing any ladder um, cannot be a part of a spiritual leadership discussion because it's just not what Scripture teaches about discipleship or about spiritual leadership. Yeah, you know, when you when you take a look at someone climbing the corporate ladder, you're starting to think of increase, you know, salary and pay, stock options, you know, things like that. And as you look over the life of some of the, you know, early church workers, you know, like you said, the the persecution grew, the imprisonment grew, you know, the 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 martyrdom was there like Stephen, you know, and people like that. And so, you know, and it ended up for a lot of people, it ended up badly, you know, in the in the in the in the Bible. And so when you, when you look at, it's almost like you have to be someone and God can use anybody. I mean, in fact, in in that book, again, when, uh, when I was reading it and going through it, you know, spiritual leadership by J Oswald Sanders, one of the things I remember reading was that, um, where was it? I think it was basically, he was talking about being an effective spiritual leader because like you mentioned there's a yeah. difference between being a leader yeah. and a spiritual leader and and you know the result it's and he was saying that god or jesus was speaking it's not a result of theological training or seminary degree right. Right. that was important right. you know the education was important because jesus told his, his disciples i believe it's in john 15 you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you so it's kind of like you know if someone's sitting down and if they're thinking okay i want to be a pastor if they're making that decision, then it's almost like it's a wrong decision because like, you know, much like you, you're going through school and all of a sudden, you know, you're taking right, this left right. turn or right turn and all of a sudden your life, your life changes right. and your path changes. Now, I don't want to be too critical of people because God speaks to people differently and so forth. Oh, but, sure. but, sure. it's, but it's almost like, you know, when we look at churches today, and we look at that position of pastor today, and I'm not picking on anybody specifically, but just that position, it seems like there's a lot of people that, you know, as, as the consumer of it, okay, so we go to someone's church, and it's important to have people in the right positions, but we look at their pedigree. What seminary did they go to? Oh, automatically we agree with them because they went to a certain seminary. But all seminary teaches you is something that, so for example, if you go to a Baptist seminary, you're going to learn that baptism is for those that have the age of accountability and you believe. If you go to maybe Lutheran seminary, you're going to learn that baptism, you know, maybe infant baptism is the way to go. And so you start to learn these different things based on the seminary that you go to and how you interpret things. If you go to maybe another one, maybe it's more non-denominational and you learn how just to become a pastor and the, and the business of pastoring and then the theology is left up to you. Um, and so, you know, there's all these different things that we look to in the world and it's like if we see somebody who's ministering, the baby's not educated, we kind of give them the sleight of hand. And I think as the consumer, sometimes we have to be careful because, you know, God called somebody for a reason and we have to be able to, if that's a true calling, understand that despite pedigree, despite whatever it is, if God put them legitimately in that position for all the right reasons, 
then that's someone that we can learn from. That's someone we can follow. That's someone who we can come under as far as the pastor and start following because, as it says in John, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you. And I think that goes on even further because we like to think, oh, I became a Christian because, you know, I I, I accepted God as my Savior. Mm -hmm. Well, that's Mm -hmm. true, yes, but God chose you to be saved and you accepted that knocking on the heart. Yeah. 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 That, that's right, son. And, and, you know, um, there are, there are uh, at least a couple different, um, aspects to that, to that choosing there. There's the, the first and most important one, God choosing you for a role, um, and gifting you for a role. Um, and, and then you blooming where you're planted. Um, but then there's also the, the, uh, the choosing that congregations make. So, so that's a, that's kind of a built in, um, safety measure in terms of evaluating those who may say, Hey, you know, I, I feel called or, you know, God's called me to do this. Well, then, um, ideally a congregation is going to have some spiritual, um, some spiritually minded, you know, mature Christians who are evaluating who they believe God would want to have serve them then in, in a role, uh, you know, say a pastoral role. So, so you've got, you've got different levels of choosing going on that, you know, biblically are to be, you know, prayerfully uh, engaged in and, and asking for the Lord's direction and, and his guidance on, on any call that a, a congregation would extend to a, uh, to a pastor. Let's say that, hey, come and, will you, will you come and serve our, uh, you know, serve our congregation? But I was also thinking, son, how, you know, I know there must be a lot of pastors whose experience was very different than mine in the sense that, you know, maybe from a very young age, you know, maybe they just felt, um, they just felt like God was, was leading them to serve later on as a pastor. You know, I think about what, what Paul wrote to Timothy, you know, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, and then he gives a list of qualifications, um, you know, that are necessary. But, um, you know, I think some people maybe early in life, unlike me, you know, in college, uh, sometimes it's even later in life than that for, uh, for some, um, you know, uh, some, some sense that call later in life than that. Uh, but I think there are others who maybe early in life, um, have a seed planted and they feel like God's, you know, leading them to serve. But, but I, but I do think, um, I do think it's important though, that, that before a person steps into the pulpit, before you preach, that you really evaluate, you know, whether, um, the Lord's calling you to do that. Um, and, and like I say, you know, many wise Christians have said that if you can do anything other than that, you probably should, because this needs to be a calling that consumes everything else. Um, you know, we, it can't just be one of many. Well, you know, I could, there are about a half dozen things I could see myself doing, but Hey, you know, the, the people seem to, you know, enjoy it when I speak. I mean, in terms of a full-time call, I mean, I'm talking about somebody maybe who fills in here or there or, or, um, maybe even in their own church, you know, maybe they preach or teach once in a while. That's great. I mean, you know, for those who, um, you know, do that, but I'm talking about a full-time calling now. Um, I, I would caution anyone, be careful about entering. Uh, ministerial role where you're going to be, you know, preaching, you know, weekly or, or close to it, or, or even, you know, even every other week, you know, uh, unless you really sense God's call on your life to preach um, and you feel compelled to preach, you know, the gospel and the word of God, um, because it's so important um, that, that, that that decision be made uh, by, by, by the Lord. I mean, you know, it, it talks to the Bible about how, you know, no one takes this honor upon himself, um, but, but you know, it, it's, it's something that you have to rely upon um, 
upon the Lord for, just as Aaron was chosen, you know, the Bible says. Um, I mean, I think about Moses, for example, again, son. I mean, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, you know, certainly in the Old Testament, you know, spiritual leaders that God raised up. And yet when he was first called, he, he couldn't see himself doing it. He, he didn't want to do it. Um, you know, and, um, and and so that's, again, that's a, that's a safe way to enter the ministry, um, almost kicking and screaming in a way. Um, if you're too, if you're extremely eager, then it might be necessary to take a little bit longer to evaluate just to make sure that your motives are in the right place, just to make sure that, you know, um, you're, you're doing it for the right reasons, you know, make a list. Why, why do I want to do this? You know, well, would I be okay doing this even if I don't have X, Y, and Z happen that maybe I would love to see happen as a pastor or whatever? Um, and do, do I feel that I have to preach in order to fulfill God's calling on my life? And that, if an individual can say that, then that's a very good indicator that, that the Lord is indeed um, calling that person uh, to preach the word. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, spiritual leadership is, is about um, motive. It's about motivation. You know, natural leadership is about self. It's kind of like the difference between self-esteem and Christ-esteem. You know, a person can be very high on himself, um, but that's, that's not at all what, what the Christian attitude is to be. The Christian attitude is, is, is one, uh, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And, and so, you know, natural leaders, um, they, they pursue their own personal goals. They rely on their own independent gifts. They rely on their own independent abilities. They, they look a lot to people to kind of, you know, work their way up the corporate ladder. Whereas a spiritual leader, very different than that, um, focuses so heavily on the Lord. What does the Lord want? What does the Lord want me to do? What does the Lord want in this relationship? What does the Lord want me to serve? Does the Lord want me to go to a different place? Does the Lord, you know, so it's a very, very different approach uh, to be a spiritual leader and and if it and, and if an individual is is at all being motivated by any sort of praise or prominence or money or something that you know of a material or a, a personal ambition kind of a, a, a becoming somewhat famous in your little sphere there if, if any of that has 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 bearing on why you're doing it then you're probably not being called to be a spiritual leader. It doesn't mean that you can't grow out of those motives as a Christian. It doesn't mean maybe that the Lord would never use you as a spiritual leader. But but I would say, please don't enter the realm until the Lord has really shown you those areas. And, and, and if, you, if you're able to come through that um, and, and really still feel called uh, to, to serve in a uh, some sort of a role of spiritual leader, um, then, then, hey, the Lord will show you that. But... Again, uh, above all else, the Bible says, "Son, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life." And 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 the number one person we all tend to kid the most is ourselves. So we have to be careful. Um, I, I believe uh, Chuck Swindoll, who I used to listen to when I was in college, I would I remember I would be lying on my bed at, at night uh, with the lights off, listening to Insight for Living. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, his teaching. And that's why, you know, when I was really growing in my faith there in college and, like I say, doing some Bible studies in the dorms, I would listen to Chuck Swindoll uh, and all those great messages on Insight for Living. And um, I remember one thing Chuck Swindoll said. He said he had this little note card right like it is uh, above his computer there, I think at his desk, maybe at college or maybe then after, you know, becoming a pastor. And, and it just simply said this, what's my motive? What's my motive? 
And, and I'll tell you, you know, that is such a critical question, Son, for anyone who might aspire or feel led to be a, a, a spiritual leader, a, a preacher, a teacher of the word, um, someone who's going to serve others. What's my motive? Is it to be known? Is it to be popular? You know, is it to have some reputation? Is it to stand up in front of other people and, and, and kind of have some authority in, in, in a church? Uh, is that what it is? Because if it is, then um, those are not uh, things that the Bible would would, um, would 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 point to to say, yeah, you, you know, God wants you to serve as a leader. Those are things that we need to um, we need to bring to the Lord. Uh, let Him search our hearts and and let Him have His way. Uh, because you know, the Holy Spirit gives out gifts to different people, and 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 uh, God has a way of of uh, raising up leaders when they're needed. And uh, but we just need to wait upon Him and, and rely far more heavily on prayer and talking to God than than, than talking to people. Um, because as much as a pastor's role does involve talking to people, if you're not talking to God more than that, um, all of us we, we get in over our heads. We, we can't we can't we can't do that. It, it doesn't work. You can't function as a spiritual leader if you're talking more to men than you are to God. It just won't work. Unless your prayer with God, unless that's, and look at Jesus getting along with the Father. And that was the perfect Son of God. You know, if we as spiritual leaders don't spend more time talking to God than we do with others, we are setting ourselves up for some, some really big headaches that we didn't need to, you know, experience. So, uh, anyway, Son, um, yeah, those are just a few thoughts, uh, I guess, as we, as we go a little, you know, dive a little bit deeper into this topic. You know, talk about motives. I read somewhere, it goes something like this that, you know, as long as the pastor is like a CEO or kind of taking on the persona role of CEO, then the character of that church is probably going to be more entrepreneurial than ministerial. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I look at some of these mega churches again, I'm not knocking them, but you know, people show up and they go to the church and they sit in the congregation and they listen to the pastor. And then I was a part of a church uh, and my family was a part of a church for many, many years and the congregation, the membership role, if you looked at it, there's a significant amount of people. But if you show up on a Sunday, it's like, where is everybody? You know, it's kind of like that mentality or that, yeah. that kind of feel. But the difference was that all those people that were on the member role that weren't there, they were all missionaries in the field. And so wow. they were out in the mission field and you could go look on the bulletin board and you could see, yeah. you know, pictures of families and they would have the picture up and then the string going to what part of the world. And you had like basically this interwoven map wow. yeah. of people cool. all over. And so it was kind of interesting because the church, that particular church was mission minded, you know, pushing people yeah. out, get out there. If you're called, go, yeah. go, go. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like a lot of times churches have that idea of come, come, Come to my mm-hmm. church. Come to my church. Hey, mm-hmm. come to my church. Yeah. I remember in uh, in in high school ministry and college ministry, it was always, "Hey, bring your friends. Bring your friends. Uh, bring your friends to church. Go get them. Bring them." And I, yeah. I understand that's fine. I'm knocking it, but it's almost like, wait a minute, maybe we should go and just meet them in their place. Meet them where it's comfortable for them. Meet them in their environment as opposed to bringing them into this awkward, you know, church environment uh, that they might not be familiar with, with some of the uh, things that go on. I remember one time, you know, I brought someone to church. They were completely unfamiliar with the the concept of sitting in a service and mm-hmm. because, you know, they came from another country and they were very lax. You know, in fact, my aunt and uncle were missionaries. And when they would go, 
um, they were over in, in Cameroon and on a Sunday or whenever they had the, the, their services, it was funny because it was so hot they'd meet outside and then there was one tree kind of in the village and as the day went, the shadow of the tree would kind of go in this circle and the people would be moving in the shadow and so by the end of their services, they would sit on one side of the tree and end up on the other side of the tree because they were sitting in the shadow and had that cool shade. But so, um, so the experience of coming into the westernized church where you're sitting there and you're watching a performance, so to speak, it was really hard for them. And, you know, and that custom of us getting dressed up and going to church and sitting there is different from other people and they right, get uncomfortable. And right. so they never came back. You know, they felt awkward. Um, yes. you know, and, and so it was going and meeting them. But the point is, is that, you know, there is a difference. You know, when I read that article or that, like that line, you know, there is a difference between having the mind of a ministry of a ministry and sending people out, you know, versus having the mind of a ministry where you're bringing people in and you're wanting to grow. Because someone mentioned one time, wouldn't it be better if we had instead of a congregation of 20,000 people where we come to one sanctuary that used to be a basketball arena? What if we had like 20 churches? with a thousand people spread out doing right, the, doing the ministry, right. you know, maybe that's something we've right, talked about right. before. It's like the yeah. difference would be minister or ministerial versus entrepreneurial. Instead of come to me, let's set up these plant churches, you know, let's set up these other things and minister out in the community and use that 20,000 strong to impact the community rather than everyone just showing up and having a, a pep rally. Yeah. Jesus. Well, you know, it, it's interesting, son, because I think one of the things that COVID is, leading some churches to start doing that, you know, some hadn't been doing any of it before is, is they're, they're starting to look at, especially some larger churches, um, having more like these little micro gatherings of people. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you think of maybe a smaller gathering where you could potentially um, maybe invite in a, a neighbor or someone else, maybe just as easy or easier, maybe than in a large setting. It just depends on the, the church. I mean, you know, there are some extremely godly and, and gifted and wonderful, um, you know, pastors of mega churches who are doing an incredible job and, 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 and a lot of good ministries going on in discipleship. Um, at the same time, you know, most churches are not, uh, mega churches. I think, you know, 80% of the Christian churches in America, I think have, a hundred under a hundred in attendance, and that was before COVID. So, um, I mean, now with COVID, um, the, the some changes that have happened, uh, I, I think are uh, you know some churches are kind of downsizing, some not by their own choice, just because they have you know um, quite a few less people on Sunday, but others are going to more of a strategic kind of a micro model where rather than just one or two or three larger gatherings maybe trying to have quite a few different ones, maybe even around the community. So it, it's interesting, you know, we, we just have to pray and ask the Lord to guide us and lead us because at the end of the day, son, I mean, um, you know, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, so we need to be fed. We need to be taught the scriptures. We need to be fed the word regularly. We need fellowship. You know, in, in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so to have weekly gatherings where you have those big fours, I like to call them, of, of, of the teaching, the doctrine, uh, the fellowship, um, you know, the celebration of the Lord's Supper um, as a strengthening uh, for us, and then and then prayer, um, th- those are beautiful. But then as you wisely point out, Son, we're also commanded to go and, and, and make disciples. And so, so both of those things um, 
you know, need, need to be going on. And, and boy, that church that you were in where so many of them were out, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I'm guessing there were just a lot of mature Christians who, you know, there, there'd been a lot of in, inflow, intake, and now, you know, they were faithfully stepping out with that and, and, and taking that, that call, uh, you know, from the Lord to go into these different places. So, I mean, how, how amazing and incredible is that? Um, you know, just, and just to hear that it actually, it actually happens in, in, in some churches like that. Um, what a, what a beautiful model that is, son, and how different from maybe the, the model that a person might have. Well, you know, we just have to become the biggest gathering we can here. And, and then, you know, uh, maybe one pastor is it, it kind of seen as like the kind of the superstar Christian, maybe. Um, you hope not, but it does happen in places. You know, they kind of call them celebrity pastors. Um, so, you know, there's only one person who should be the celebrity, and that's the Lord. Um, um, so you have to guard against that, I'm sure, in a, in a, in a mega church um, in, in different ways. But, but, but just being fed the word and then using our gifts, you know, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace, you know, in its various forms. And, and then the Bible says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. You know, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. Meaning this, not that you're speaking, those with speaking gifts, they're not serving. They are serving, but, but not, not everyone is called to have a speaking gift. Not everyone's called to have a preaching gift, a teaching gift, who can teach the word, uh, who, who can teach, you know, a Bible class, this, this sort of a thing. So, but, but we're all called to be servants. Um, we're all called to do it for the glory of God. And I think if we just remember that, that spiritual leadership and, and, and spiritual motivations or what the Lord is, is looking for, and, and that's when the Holy Spirit is really going to anoint, you know, the work that we're doing. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit is not, um, you know, is, is not working to elevate us, um, but rather he's working to elevate the Lord, you know, and, and, and Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into myself, you know, so that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he elevates Christ. And, um, and so it's yeah, just a privilege for any of us to be, to be on God's team and to get to have whatever role he, he may give us, uh, whether it's a speaking gift uh, or a behind-the-scenes gift, um, or in the case of that church you mentioned, Simon, uh, a missionary gift. I mean, wow, uh, what, a, what a noble calling that is. So uh, we want to do it all to the glory of God, and, 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 and we want him to get the praise and the honor in, in everything we do. You know, I'm sure my experience as a, a Christian growing up is similar to a lot of others. And that is, you know, you've experienced a lot of different things. You know, there's times where you've sat in Bible study. There's times you sat in the service. I mean, I grew up going to even night church, which is non-existent um, on Sunday nights now in a lot of places. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, Sunday school and church. I mean, what is that? You know, four hours on a Sunday morning at church. Are you kidding me? I want my hour in and out. Um, right. you know, going to missions, uh, you know, I've never went o- overseas missions or anything, but like it was inner city going to the homeless shelter and helping out and things like that. Yeah. And it's yeah. important to have all of it. It's important to have your study time. It's important to have your, your, your gathering time with believers. It's important to have your service time. But right. as I reflect back on the things that I did, the, I guess the greatest reward, like feeling wise, like in internal was when we were doing those things where you were reaching out. I remember in high school ministry, yeah. you know, as a part of a church that we would try to invite the non-believers, the, the emphasis was non-believers on a Wednesday night or a midweek Bible study. And right. and it was a, a formula that was actually kind of a lot of fun. You had like 
uh, games that you'd play, you know, uh, and, and each high school would be a team. And then, you know, you'd have these games and then you'd go in and the band would play and then the, the youth pastor would come out and speak. And it was kind of like, right. you know, uh, kind of like the games, the, the rock concert and the message all in one. And it was appealing to a non-believer. Okay. That was the whole point. Yeah. You, you bring the non-believer and so it was appealing to them. And then you go to your more, you know, reverent where you're going to study the word. But then when you got out there and actually did things, like when I remember the times you go to the homeless shelter and help out or you'd go and, and help these people over here and you do those ministry things, when, when you get it and it gets going right, and, and like you said, it's not like, hey, I showed up on Sunday and now I feel good. It's I'm right. kind of doing my personal ministry. So instead of becoming just a consumer that absorbs, because like right. you mentioned in the past, we all are ministers. We all have a ministry, whatever that might be. It might not right. be an officially um, you know, recognized pastoral ministry or youth pastor ministry, but we all have, um, you know, we can all be ministers for Christ. When we start to do stuff like that, you know, and we do it for unselfish reasons, we start to feel really good about ourselves because those are times that I felt best was like nobody knew anything that I was doing. You yeah. know, there might be two or yeah. three of us that went down to the mission. But you know what? Right. After helping out, we felt good. After doing these things, we felt good. And, and we would be blessed through that. And so personally, if we, if we as the consumer of the, of the, of the scripture, like, you know, the, the, the parishioner, as they say, if we're right. the parishioner and, and we take on that entrepreneurial versus ministerial approach, then we're just going to be yeah. sitting in the pews. We're just going to be sitting and listening. Yes, other people should be doing things. Yes, I'm going to get my tithe. Yes, I might, you know, be uh, an usher once a once a year, you know, for that month of April or whatever. But if we start taking on that ministerial approach, we're going to start to be able to see opportunities and do things as we are led. And it could be the simplest of things as, you know, helping a neighbor with something or right. giving advice to somebody or, you know, driving people around or whatever the case may be to bigger things. Like maybe you go to a mission or you help, you know, feed the homeless or maybe you do some other things to maybe then either bigger things, you know, like you said, you know, you're, you're down the path of life. I know, uh, one of the pastors now at that church, I was talking about the mission church, you know, he had no bit, he had no business wanting to be a pastor. And then he's in his fifties and all of a sudden now he's being called yeah. to preach, you know, and that was, yeah. he was a yeah. teacher, you know, he was a teacher. Yeah. Um, and so we never know if we take on our own ministerial approach to it and not just rely yeah. on everyone else. You know, God might reach in and tell us that, hey, I've got another plan for you. Because I also read in that book that there was a portion that says, you know, if we aren't in tune with God and, and kind of open to his leading, we might be missing our full potential here on earth. You know, we might be called yeah. to teach, but through our teaching, we might have ministerial opportunities. We might be called to coach, but we might have coaching opportunity or ministerial opportunities through that coaching. We might be, you know, an engineer or we might be a police officer or we might be whatever our job is. But the ministry of the person, us, that God has called us to be can come through the jobs that we do. And if we're in tune to that, then we can reach our fullest potential. We don't have to, you know, like uh, the fishermen, Peter and the, the disciples, you know, they were fishermen and God called them away right. from that. But God could have used them as fishermen, yes. you know, to spread the gospel as well. So we got to be those fishermen that maybe we don't follow Jesus and become a disciple and go do, you know, church-based ministry. But as a fisherman, we're on the boats. 
We're hauling in the fish. Yeah. We're talking to people. What's our language like? What's our example like? What's our attitude like? How are we treating the other fishermen? How are we responding to things that are going on? And through that, people will see there's a difference in us, a uniqueness in us, and then they might want to be, hey, why are you different yeah. from everybody else? What makes you set apart from the rest of the world? And then through your testimony and through your actions, then you can share the gospel. And now the ministry of you is starting to come out and reaching its fullest potential. Well, I'll tell you, son, what you're describing is what the Bible explains. Uh, you know, uh, Peter, First Peter chapter 2, uh, writing to believers here, you also, uh, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, in the Old Testament, um, you had your priests, and then you had the rest of, of the Israelites. In the New Testament, every one of us is a priest. You know, I know in, in the Catholic Church, for example, you know, they have the priest. That's like their pastor. Um, but, you know, there is this biblical doctrine um, that we're all priests. We're all part of the priesthood. I just, I just read that verse that we are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So we're all called in that sense to show some uh, spiritual leadership. I mean, every one of those people, Son, that you mentioned who left, that church you were at to go serve in the mission field. That was an act of, of, of spiritual leadership. Now, not necessarily as a pastor or an elder of a church necessarily, but, but, but leading people to Christ, um, leading your family first and foremost, you know, to, to the Lord, but then leading others to Christ, Be, seeing yourself as, as uh, a, a priest, I think is very important. You know, um, you know, Martin Luther was very big on that, on the priesthood of all believers. And, you know, because he, he, had, he had grown up in the Catholic Church where it's like, well, the priests do everything and, and we just kind of, you know, uh, listen and show up and, and, and get a check in the box. Well, you know, the Bible uh, knows nothing of that sort of, of type of discipleship. It's, it's what you're talking about there, Son, where everyone, um, everyone is called to, uh, to use their gifts to serve in whatever way God calls them to serve. And, and so to, to see yourself as a Christian who will be, um, you, you might be exercising a measure of spiritual leadership by counseling someone. Um, again, not in the congregational sense of, of, a, of like an official leader in the church or whatever, but, but just in terms of the initiative that you're taking or the openness that you, are, that you have to God using you in that way. Um, it's very important that we see there are no second or third string players on God's team, you know. Uh, when I played basketball in, in high school, son, you know, I, I like to say we, we went to the state tournament my junior and senior year, which we did. I, you know, I like to say that I made a 40-foot shot at the buzzer, which I did. But, you know, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story is that 40-foot shot was made when we were up by like 30 or 40, and, and I spent most of my time on the bench. So, I mean, I was far from a first-string player. But it's not that way in the church. It's not that way in, in, among God's people. And when I say the church, I'm talking about you know, the invisible church. I'm not talking about, you know, a person's individual congregation, although it, it applies to that, but I'm talking about everyone who's a believer is on the first team uh, and it's called to serve. And, and, and so it's important that we um, discover the gifts God's given us, use those gifts. Uh, I mean, you know, son, if, if the Lord had just chosen to just use me teaching Bible studies in the dorm and, and not ever, um, you know, start to preach, that would have been just as, as wonderful in God's plan because that would have been what he would have wanted for me. So we, we can only do what God wants us to do and calls us to do. And, and, um, and, and we can't boast in any of that because it's, it's all God's doing. Uh, I mean, what, what do we have? The Bible says that we didn't receive. And if we received it, then why do we boast and brag as though we didn't receive it? So 
salvation is the free gift by trusting Christ as our Savior. We, we don't earn it. We don't buy it. We can only receive it. It's a gift. Eternal life is free. Do you believe it? Are you trusting in Christ as, as, as the Savior, as, as your Savior from sin? And, and if you are, then now you're on the team. And guess what? You're a first-string player. And, and so it's time to, you know, uh, put on that helmet and, uh, you know, go out in the armor of God and, and, and get, get uh, you know, study to show yourself approved. I mean, you know, um, be there when God's word is being preached and taught. Learn the word. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. And then don't believe the devil's lie that God can never use you because he will use you. And, and just as those folks saw in that church you were at, Son, I mean, using people to go out to places they probably never dreamed God would send them to go. So, um, you know, we just have to be open to what the Lord uh, would lead us to do. And, and we all uh, are on this are on this team uh, to serve the Lord uh, on the first uh, the first string. Uh, not, none of us are to be bench warmers. The other thing we have to keep in mind, too, Dan, is whatever God calls us to do, it's an important gig. I remember in the church, you know, I would serve in the nursery. And a lot of times, to be honest, it was so I could avoid going to the service. Um, you know, the higher calling, I'm going to be in the nursery so you can go to service yeah. and I can skip out, you know, that's kind of the thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but no, but you would often think of people that would be in the nursery or whatever, you know, as that ministry is not as important as the pastor, but any, any ministry that God calls us to do any, any job Amen. that God calls us to do is just as important and equally as important Amen. because it matters to somebody, the parents that were able to drop their kids off in the safe hands of people, while they went in, were able to have, you know, an, an undivided attention on the message. Or maybe they were yeah. workers someplace else. Maybe they were the worship leader, or maybe they were doing something else in the church, and so they couldn't have their kids with them because they were serving in yeah. another capacity. So no matter what we do, from the littlest of things, from the bus driver that might be going around and yeah. picking up people, to, you know, the minister, to whomever, everything, every role that God calls us to be is an important role, and we should look at it as that, not as something as a hierarchy, yeah. But as yeah. it's God called me to do this. And again, the Bible speaks about, you know, you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. Mm-hmm. So we're not doing it to other people. We're actually doing it as unto God. And if we take that approach, because I know oftentimes when we talk about positions and ministries and things, we often have a hierarchy of, you know, what's important, right. what's not. You know, this is more important than that. But everything that God calls us to do is uh, is important. And so we need to remember that. So even if we are recalled to work in the nursery or if we are called to, you know, go pick up that one elderly lady and bring her to church. That's just as important right. as the pastor preaching because Amen. God called us to do that. And we should be able to do that as if we are, you know, the Pope, so to speak. Well, that, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, take away an offensive lineman and, 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 and how good's that quarterback going to be? I mean, the offensive lineman get no glory. The quarterback gets all the glory, uh, you know, or, or, or the, you know, or, or the negativity as well, but but he tends to get all the glory, whereas the offensive linemen, you know, they only get blamed if they don't do their job right. When they do their job right, they often get, you know, they, they don't often get talked about. Um, and, and, and so, um, there, you know, none of us, none of us, even though some roles are more visible, um, it doesn't mean, like you say, that they're more important. It doesn't make them more important. Um, uh, God is the one who chooses what, what, what role we're going to play on the team. And, um, you know, it's just our job to, to do so faithfully, uh, with, with the right attitude, always asking the question, what's my motive? Um, and, and if I'm doing anything, um, to be seen, uh, to be known, um, to, to be praised, I mean, all of those things are things of the flesh. And, and while, while you might be a natural leader, uh, you might have natural leadership gifts and be able to get away with that, you know, maybe heading up some big corporation and, and it won't affect it at all. 
Um, the same cannot be said with any spiritual role because those motivations greatly will disrupt a person's effectiveness um, and what the Holy Spirit then does through a person uh, if, if we're not keeping those things um, at bay, if we're not saying no to those uh, ugly ambitions and, and ugly desires that are not uh, promoting Christ, but rather you know, somehow lifting us up or, or, uh, you know, it's kind of like the difference between that, 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 that song, that popular song, you know, um, uh, you know, I want to, I want to have a, uh, I want to be known, you know, for a hundred years, for a century, you know, uh, will, will they, I want them to know my name a hundred years from now and versus that Christian song. In fact, I just heard it on the radio a couple of days ago, but, but, um, where I, I, the, the, the singer saying, Hey, you know, I, you know, I don't want a legacy. You know, I, I just, I just want, I would just want Jesus to be known. I don't, or I don't care about my legacy. I mean, that is the spirit filled Christian's attitude. I don't care about my legacy. I want Christ to be known. Paul said, you know, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. That was a very selfless, noble, spirit filled ambition. Uh, but, but selfish ambition is about, I want my name to be known. It's always been my ambition to be, to be known as this or that, or to be seen as this or that, or to have this legacy or this or that. None of that comes from the Holy Spirit. None of that is, is, is part of spiritual leadership or, or Christian discipleship. It's all of the flesh. And, and so if we go full circle to where we started today, son, all the way back to this idea of, you know, the pastor being a CEO versus the shepherd. Um, you really, I, I think maybe people, if they've listened to this whole podcast, you know, they can start to see now why that's such a dangerous thing. Um, be, be, because just like um, there are Christians, son, who, who are tempted by the bait that these prosperity preachers put out there and they lie to people and they say, God wants you to have worldly wealth that you can spend on yourself and more material possessions for yourself and anything you can dream about, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, just as they lie to people about that, um, telling pastors um, that, um, you know, that, oh, well, you could be this great CEO and this and this and that. It, 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 it's not healthy for, for someone who is um, aspiring to serve the Lord to now start entertaining those things because those will appeal to his flesh. Those will appeal to his selfish ambition. Those will appeal to his natural. Um, we all have a natural propensity to elevate self. It's just within us. It's part of our. It's part of our natural DNA. Um, but but we need the Lord in us to to just eradicate that, and so we don't we don't live by that any longer. So um, pastor, CEO, or shepherd. Well, it's always been a shepherd. Um, and not to say that there aren't pastors who who have some amazing leadership gifts, and and there are, and and some who lead. You know large churches, you know, uh, with, with great leadership gifts and probably lead small churches with great leadership gifts. Um, but, but at the end of the day, if the heart's not in the right place, um, then it can all come crumbling down. And, and, and really at the end of time, when, when all of our works are tested by fire, we're told in Corinthians, uh, and you know, if some of our works survive, son, um, some will be burned up like wood, hay and stubble. Um, but others like, you know, the gold and the costly stones, those are the works that will survive. And then those are the works by which a person will be rewarded uh, in heaven. You don't get into heaven as a reward. Heaven is a free gift. But your works are tested by fire. The, main, the, the word makes that very clear. And you could spend your whole life. And if you're, if you're living for Christ, let's say you're a born-again individual. So you're saved, redeemed, justified, forgiven. Um, but let's just say your motives aren't right with much of what you do. 
and, and your motive is to be seen. Your motive is to be known. Your motive is for self. Well, all of the stuff, all of hours you invest in that stuff, uh, when, when your works are tested by fire, it will be burned up. You will receive no reward for that. Now, it doesn't mean you won't be saved. You know, the Bible says, talks about those who, who escape through the fire. You know, so I mean, you'll, you'll still be saved if you're a saved person now. You'll be saved, but you won't be rewarded for that because none of it was done for the glory of God. So that, that is very important. Uh, why we do what we do, Son. Not just what we do, not just what the results seem to be, you know, um, but, but why we do what we do. And, and for those who, by faith and persistence, press on in prayer and in humility, um, it's amazing how uh, over the course of their life, you know, the Lord tends to do such incredible things. And, and the, more, the more obscurity, Son, that we can have while we do it, the better off everyone is. The more obscurity. Um, you know, some Christians, by, and even some pastors, by nature of their role, I mean, they're going to be in the limelight. It's going to be hard not to have, you know, people always shining the light on you. But the more you can do to try to just turn that spotlight off of you and to turn it on Christ and on to others, you'll be blessed. Um, you'll be rewarded for that. Um, that honors God. And it's much better for, for, for the people because they don't need to be thinking about you or what a great leader you are, what a great pastor you are, what a great Bible teacher you are. I mean, when they're thinking about you, who aren't they thinking about? They're not thinking about the Lord. They're not praising the Lord. They're praising you. You know, they're praising you. And, and so this is uh, one of the goals of a spiritual leader is, is to try to do things in a way so that they, they won't be uh, tempted to praise you, but rather your Lord. So, um, yeah, great topic today, Son. I mean, really, I'm really glad you, uh, you chose to dive into this one because uh, there's so much here for us to think about, meditate upon, pray about, and, and just try to grow in uh, as, as Christians and, and even, uh, you know, uh, in terms of spiritual leadership uh, as Christians. Dan Delzell, as always, we thank you so much for your time and for your comments and your insights on things. We really appreciate it. If um, anyone wants to reach out, where, where can they uh, find you at, get a hold of you? Well, they, they could uh, they could just uh, Google Redeemer in Papillion, P-A-P-I-L-L-I-O-N, in, uh, here in Nebraska, and, and they could pull up uh, our Facebook page, or they could, uh, of course, even, uh, you know, email me at Dan Delzell, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, at Cox.net. If they would care to do that. And you can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And you can DM me there. And, uh, Dan, again, we look forward to future conversations. And thanks so much for your insight this week. And uh, for those of you listening, we hope that uh, you enjoyed the program. And, again, if you have any questions, because sometimes it can get interesting and maybe you misunderstand something or maybe you think we said something out of context, whatever, go ahead and reach out to us for clarification because uh, there's no uh, no problem with us getting back to you on that and, and being challenged, so to speak. Uh, Dan, again, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Stan. This has been wonderful, and I, I look forward to our next time together and the next podcast. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.